Good day. You are tuning into Loved by the Water. A what would you call this? Would you really call this a podcast? <laughs> it feels like something different though. How so? It feels more experimental. Okay. I guess all podcasting is kind of experimental. I would say so. <clears throat> we don't really have like a, a a super framed out like directional like I feel like um other podcasters or other ways of doing it is having like interview questions or having a direction we're kind of just open to the ebb and flow of where our natural travels nomadic shamanic journeys all of that like wherever it takes us is what will come up and surface on this quote show and i would say that's a pretty good direction oh okay but it's a nebulous direction nebulous nebulous yes but there's a direction nonetheless okay well anyways welcome to loved by the water a podcast with mike and christy this is as we've talked about in the background this is episode one of season two is that correct kind of yeah Yeah. i would say that's a pretty firm framework season two slash three since this is like a it's a, a tag on to like an old an old series that I was working on. So how is how is this episode or season three different than what we've done before? So before we introduce season three. Okay. The last show we did was kind of a stealth operation, right? And it was oh. like all those edited clips. Oh yes. Uh, right. Oh yes. And you and we ended the last episode. And you said something about how that episode is indicative of me being one or two steps ahead of you. Okay. In many scenarios. Okay. And I was like, kind of like, what does that mean? And it was a nebulous ending. Okay. And last night we watched American Ultra. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give a quick synopsis of what American Ultra is? American Ultra is a movie which I believe came out probably around somewhere probably between 2010 and 2015. I don't have IMDb or Wikipedia in front of me. Mm-hmm. And the premise behind it is um, a young man discovers that outside of his conscious awareness of himself that he is actually a CIA controlled um, asset and his girlfriend is actually his handler. (laughs) And so it occurred to me last night after we watched this movie what you were saying when you said in the last episode when, when we ended it. And you were like, you always seem to be like one or two steps ahead of me. And last night in the movie, there's a scene where he, they're being chased by the CIA because the CIA is trying to like take him out because he's, he's becomes a liability or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where they like end up, um, she gets a gas mask that fell off one of the CIA agents, but he kind of takes in some of the gas. And she gets both of them out and she starts saying like, she starts telling him like, this is the type of gas it is. You can't fall asleep. Like, don't, 
don't, uh, you'll start losing one, your senses one by one. And once you fall asleep, you die. You, you don't come back. It's mm-hmm. not just like one of those sleeping gases. It's like a death gas. She's demonstrating, the, in context of the movie, her character is demonstrating a knowledge of gas, which doesn't seem to make sense with who and what she is. Right. And that's the moment where he figures out for himself, he's like, how did you know about that gas? Mm-hmm. Right. And then she has to explain herself that she is, in fact, a CIA agent. I mean, we find out in like moments later that she kind of quit being a CIA agent, CIA agent, because she truly did fall in love with him, mm-hmm. and she for she forsook, forsaked, forsaked her life as an agent to be his guardian girlfriend. Okay, right? Like, because she she's the perfect. I mean, if you're gonna be an experimental wash up from like government MK Ultra programs. Okay. Wouldn't it behoove you to have a girlfriend who, if the government comes to take you out, would be able to protect you? I suppose. <laughs> girlfriend though being a an employee of said organization who is coming after you and created the entire situation to begin with. But she didn't create the situation. It was the, remember Lassiter? Yes. Well, she's part of the same organization. So like right. the umbrella organization, which it all falls underneath. Right. I think she was, so this is the question that you had for me this morning is okay. now for me. Mm-hmm. So for, for people who are listening, um, we don't know where you're coming from uh, to when, when you have arrived and found this nebulous podcast show um <laughs> if you've been following susquehanna alchemy and michael you're probably quite familiar with mk ultra and all the conspiracy jargon paradigm stuff around this movie um if you're coming at it from a, another angle other than that maybe from following or discovering my work which is very very new um you might it might be more of an angle of um, interest in the interior worlds of people mm-hmm. and how how the elements, how water, how love, how the ancient cyclical rhythms of like civilizations like operate inside of us. Um, that said, where was I going with this? MK Ultra. Why we're bringing this up? Why oh, we're talking right. about well, this? Well, this morning you turned, you posed because you. Okay. Oh, right. So, so you are very familiar with and comfortable with this interior story that you are the product of, like an MK Ultra government program. I don't necessarily would go that far. Well, you're go. How far did I go? Uh, that I am. Oh, okay. You can identify with. I'm open to the possibility. You're open to the possibility. Okay. I yes. mean, you and Emily have talked so much about this in such a way well, that that's I the, the our show. We have a show right. called Project Kids, right. Right. which is in reference to children who were part of government projects. Right. And the very nature of many of these projects is that it's filled with blind spots Mm -hmm. like you theoretically will not remember any of it 
Right. So it's a so you can see within the periphery of your life and your understanding of self, you're like, whoa, did this happen to me? Uh -huh. Which to me, I think the release of the idea of these projects in itself is just a gaslighting ritual mm. because there's no way of knowing. Right, it's it's right. an impossibility as soon as you're exposed to an idea. So there's that. Uh -huh. And I have within my personal experience, both from being an outlier in terms of how I see reality, um, how I live my life, uh, and then my actual life experiences of the places and the people and the organizations, like there's, there's, there's some overlap, which would suggest this is a possibility. <laughs> but then I bring in this synchromistic perspective, which allow, which means that I allow seemingly unrelated narratives and information, which in a rational linear thought process, you would say these things are not involved with your personal story. Mm -hmm. I open myself up to them. So specifically mm -hmm. the role of popular culture, the role of everyday interactions being more of a dream construct. So this movie is so interesting mm -hmm. because it's literally about someone waking up i've been open to the not just someone the character's name is mike someone named mike and the actress who plays who plays his handler is named Kristen, not christy but Kristen. <laughs> and you could go the the number of Parall ble parallel yeah, yeah. bleed overs is numerous right so this can i come back to yes the, let's go back to so, like the question so I, I brought so up this morning, morning you asked me after seeing this because as i was watching it i i just kept laughing at all of the mind-blowing layers of similarity between how those two relate and how you and I relate, how it's how Mike on American Ultra is like a caricature, caricature of a younger imagined version of you in my mind, mm -hmm. and how she is like a caricature of me in a way. Mm -hmm. Anyways, you asked me this morning, you're like, now the question is, do you know if you're the handler or are you aware if you have been MK ultra to be my handler, right? Because mm -hmm. there could be a level where the handler doesn't even know that they've been programmed to be the handler. Which is part of the explanation of MK ultra is exactly what you just described. Uh -huh. Blind spots. And so the handler doesn't even know they're a handler. Right. Or to the extent of their what they're doing right and you even pointed that out a little bit differently in watching the movie when you noticed that there were two sets of mind-controlled assets right. being played against each other and neither one of them realized what they're doing so that is the, more of those an, like the, the guys in black what they called the wise guys and the tough guy like oh, project right right and that was definitely an adversarial relationship, but the handler, the handler, um, handlee or what a um, target, I wouldn't quite say is adversarial, that relationship. It's a little, it's, it's different than what we saw in the movie, but, but please go on to where you're, you're, you're going with this question, which I posed this morning. If I know that, if I know whether or not I'm a handler, would you know? 
Well, I, I guess not because you asked me, how is it that I'm always two steps ahead of you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, am I? I don't know. Is that true? Like it got me thinking, mm-hmm. but it didn't like activate. It didn't like activate like, um, what was the scene in the movie where the, the agent came and activated him so that he could fend off the government from mm-hmm. killing him? Right. Um, I certainly don't. She I'm, gave him code words. Right. She gave him code words. Okay. So we're house sitting right now mm-hmm. and we're in Centerville. Mm-hmm. Centerville, Virginia. Centerville, Virginia. And so we're half an hour away from where this movie even took place. Langley, Virginia. Where or, the organization. Right. Okay. Where the center of this operation mm-hmm. took place uh, in the fictional, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And we're also half an hour away from where I was born. In the other direction. In the other direction. We're kind of in the center of the two. We're in the center of the two. And you were like, I mean, if you really want to go down this path, you really want this to get interesting. Where you were born Mm -hmm. is the birthplace Mm -hmm. of the CIA. Right. Woodbridge, Virginia. Occoquan or or Quantico. It's all the same sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My dad was part of like the military industrial complex just long for just long enough for me to have been conceived on the West Coast. And then my mom and dad came over here um, from from my birth and mm-hmm. I was born in Virginia. Your uh, father was a Marine. Right. My father was a Marine. He worked on uh, the president's helicopter. He literally worked when the president, so I don't. Presidential helicopter. The president, so whenever you see the president flying around in the helicopter. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the guards and like, I'm certain anyone who's ever seen the news where it shows footage of a president leaving that helicopter, there's usually like one or two Marines who uh-huh. are kind of stationed on the doors. Your father was one of those Marines. I don't know if he was one of those. Like, he worked on the helicopter. Like, as a mechanic? Yeah, yeah. He was a helicopter mechanic. So he, he wasn't necessarily the one who flew it? No. Huh. Or not, like, pilot flew it, but, like, would be one of the He was entrusted the Marines. with the mechanics of the inner, of the interior of the helicopter. Wow, which, which has a huge, there's got to be a huge vetting process. Yeah. to allow someone that close. And then he was and then he just recently told me the story that um like you were telling me you know 30 years ago it was hard to become a pilot and we were just talking about how last time I was in a plane I was like dear god am I in the hands of like these people I'm like where are they getting these pilots and stewards from like they act they act so different like they act um, I remember just even 10 years ago, like stewardesses and pilots having a much more like serious and, um, formal kind of regard, Okay. um, a high level of maturity, which mm-hmm. I felt safe in mm-hmm. being that high up in the sky. Right. And recently I've been like watching their behavior and the way they interact with each other and with other mm-hmm. people. And I'm just like, well, that's a little too loose for me. Right. If you're, if you're this loosey goosey here, yes, we're out. Right. Right. Are you going to be able to handle crisis in the sky? Anyways, that got you telling me 
about how hard it used to be to become, you know, like air anything. Right. And my dad, after he left the Marines because I was born and he wanted to spend more time being a family man, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, he couldn't get a job. He, he went and he told me the whole story about how him and his buddy went and got certified to continue being um, helicopter pilot or helicopter mechanics. mechanics. Yeah, he got the certification. And the place that said they would hire him mm-hmm. after he got it, they wouldn't hire him. And like he would, he even said, because this was a, a mystery to me. I was like, my dad worked on Marine One. Right. Why is he now working in a battery factory the rest of his life? Right. And he just told me that he, he did get the certification. He did apply to the, to the non-governmental place to work mm-hmm. on the helicopter, mm-hmm. uh, airplane engines, right. and they just like within just a matter of months they were like oh we're not hiring now and then he checked in probably like i think every year for five years and they just like weren't hiring anymore which is odd to me because it seems was, very odd to me it was a t- it was a time when my dad it would be a prime candidate like they wanted to take people like that that right. worked on government so i'm wondering if it's like a well it's also a highly specialized skill right so like that in itself, you usually when you have a highly specialized skill, um, you know, assuming that you're in a location where there's work, you should have been able to find work as a helicopter mechanic without problem. Right. And so that just leads my conspiracy brain down the trail of like what just like they put American Ultra Mike from the movie. Mm-hmm. They originally put him with the CIA agent handler just to get him to a town, get him to a town and get him set up. So he was contained. Well, let's let's go even a little bit more one step deeper with this. Not only did they do that, this is implied, but it's it's implied pretty heavily they also put him through a considerable amount of hypnotic triggers so that he was unable to leave the town. Right. So like he was trapped there and there was like this small little town in West Virginia. Which might as well be like nowhere, Pennsylvania. Right. Right. Which is where I, which is where my dad ended up because he couldn't get the mechanic job. It's almost like I'm seeing a parallel right, between right, the two. Right, and it and he left the Marines because I was born. Mm-hmm. So like I don't. I mean, I'm not trying to make any meaning out of this. I'm just seeing the parallels. So can I throw some more into it? Sure. If you really want to, you want to hear a little bit of synchromistic analysis. Um, yes. Uh, how did they? So a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Mortgage is a death grip. It's part mm-hmm. of. It's part of culture. Culture. Our culture wants everyone to have a house and they hold them into the house through it through that death grip called Do you a know how my dad my mom and dad got a house that's what i'm bringing up why don't you sh- i know you that's know, you that's, remember that's, story. that's how can i forget this story that's why i'm bringing this up okay. so what was the death grip how did your dad who like you know how was he able to hold on to like or be cemented more to the land so nothing more manipulative uh, manipulated by government than the McDonald's monopoly lottery. 
So for the listeners, if you're, if you're not aware, McDonald's does this like monopoly game every year where they put game pieces on their food products. Do they still do that? I, I think they only did that for like a handful of years. I haven't seen it. I mean, they did it from my parents. So my dad won McDonald's monopoly. Your father won. He won a $20,000 down payment on a house. And that's how they acquired the house that they still live in today. Which was then always like a little bit over their their financial heads, right? right? So Which kept them locked into a death grip of work. Bingo. Can't move anywhere. Like, and my like, dad had to had to get a job and couldn't leave that job because of the mortgage. And McDonald's is very much part of the – like eh, – you made reference to NGOs, non-government organizations. Mm -hmm. I would say McDonald's falls into that in the same way that Disney and Walmart does as well. Like they're not like official government organizations, but you go and you look at the correspondence between particularly the military and uh, McDonald's is a military industrial complex. And it fits right in with being like keeping people contained and of ill health and being being a part of the machinery, if not just machinery themselves, like the yeah. mechanic, the biomechanics of their body. Mm -hmm. So we've got that. So that tied you into the the one thing which takes away the randomness of what we're discussing is this is where he grew up, though. Right. It's where he. Yeah. It's, it's where, where he grew up. His but, parents were from. But what I've always found interesting to this part of Pennsylvania is is I'm gonna. Three things. Um, when we lived in the farmhouse last year, so you and I moved into a farmhouse for six months on the same land which we're talking about, um, it turned out that my family history has a strong connection from 300 years ago there. I didn't know that until we moved there. Secondly, I discovered slash remembered um, probably a month or so after moving in that I've been here before. I literally had an art show. Right. Like that blew my mind that I, I started remembering this feels so familiar. Like, and it was unusual for me to have an art show. So there was that. But then the third piece is, is this land is um, uh, the first head of or leader of the Air Force. Right. Like, so General Spots. Carl Spots, the first head of the Air Force, he is from this land as well. And a little bit, a little bit more of a grasp, it, the first name of the town was called Bechtelsville. And if you know anything about the military industrial complex, Bechtel, mm -hmm. so Bechtelsville is named after the Bechtel family. So Bechtel is one of the oldest and most influential. It's called the Deep States. Uh, uh, military contractor. Oh my. So all of this stuff is connected somehow. <laughs> so I mean, I can't even believe you're bringing up this stuff because this is all my, so my, my, my bread and butter. My grandfather was a Vietnam War veteran. Your grandfather? My grandfather, yeah. He has like tattoos from the Vietnam War. From the Vietnam War? Is your, fa is your grandfather that age? So that would put your grandfather born probably 67, so like 1950? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, because my grandparents are your parents. Are younger than... No, they're a little bit older than your parents. Your My parents were born in the early 40s. Mm -hmm. And my grandparents are old, older than your parents. Okay. So my grandfather was born in the 30s. 
So he would have been too old to be a... Does that make sense? 30, 70? How old is your grandfather? Eight, late 80s. Late 80s. So yeah, so, you're, so your grandfather would have been born in the, in the 30s. Cold War? Could it have been the Cold War? Like, I don't the Cold know. Cold War's not like... Like it would either be history. like Korean War or World War II. Probably Korean, Korean. War. Korean. Maybe Korean War. Korean yeah, War. Korean War makes sense. Korean, Vietnam, they're all... They're so all go on. So I'm curious. I don't know this. Brain. Well, anyways... Uh, he there's just pictures of him in combat like on the ground like he was in i wouldn't say act maybe it was an active war but he was like boots on the ground like My, so when you say pictures like just in a like him pictures of him and his buddies like on a base in another country okay like he he was active military duty okay but not so then that bred in my dad to to go like um i mean because he has like a little bit of trauma from that from being like your grandfather front line yeah military army okay how do you know that from stories he's from told. stories like stories like literally being in a combat situation yeah okay or in a zone at least okay um and then and then so but my father went into the military but he went into special like a specialized area like the marines mm -hmm. so there was some shaping and cultivating from my grandfather to my father of like a direction to go that would be more specialized mm. than just like boots on the ground okay and just being what, infantry right that and right just being infantry moving from infantry to a more specialized okay and then so that's like a part of like the MK Ultra American Ultra movie is like programming for highly specialized action and force mm -hmm. and ability. Mm -hmm. um, but then when my father, when I was born, my father like dropped out, but then returned to the area mm -hmm. where all of this is, is it's not like Quantico. Um, it's not the epicenter like Langley, Virginia was in the mm -hmm. movie, but it's like the West Virginia from the movie. It's yeah. like the, but it's ironically in West Virginia, it's like the hidden epicenter. Or I mean, in, in I'm sorry, not in the movie, in my life, in mm -hmm. our lives, uh, the Bechtelsville, Boyer town, it's like a hidden underground epicenter. Completely. So... I'm going to try to ground this back in something we said, like, I think 15 minutes ago. Right. You asked me, do I know, am I aware of, if you're, if you're the, if you're the project, right? Mm -hmm. If you're the project child mm -hmm. and I'm the handler, mm -hmm. are you aware that you're the handler? And I was like, you said some things that could have been activating, but I haven't witnessed any activation. However, since... Since you said that to me, mm -hmm. you're always a couple of steps, steps ahead of me. How do you do that? Which is very much like the line in the movie where he's like, how did you know what that gas was? And how did you know how to save me from it? Mm -hmm. I have had a series of continued activation codes, words, meetings, places since then. Since I said that. In like a couple episode. weeks ago or yeah. just in Florida. in Florida, since yeah. I said that in Florida, not just since right. watching that movie. Okay. 
which tie us back to Bechtelsville, Boyertown, and the hidden energy there of, um, excuse me, Mountain Mary. Mm -hmm. So ancestral kind of settler. So this is not government conspiracy anymore. This is just our ancestry research. And around the time that your ancestors were settling there and getting married and being buried at that church, um, I found out when we were living there about this legend, Mountain Mary, who was this woman, very real, who lived on the mountain right across from like kind of the hill, the rolling hill that we lived on in Bechtelsville. Um, Mountain Mary. So just this, this Mary word or name coming up again, which for two years I had been on a Mary Magdalene, Virgin Mary, Holy Womb, like MM. MM. Yeah. Like following this. Mm -hmm. And then here I come back to my hometown that I lived in for whatever, 20 years. And I never knew about this local legend, Mountain Mary. Mm -hmm. Right. So we went on a deep dive with that. And I, you know, I soaked that in. Well, in the last couple of weeks, Mary came up again. My, I found out last week from my grandmother that she was born in Marysville on the Susquehanna River. She was born in her grandmother's home. So she lived in a multi-generational home where, you know, we were just talking about birth. And she's like, that's back when babies were born at home. I was like, oh, what home were you born in? She's like, my grandmother's home. So her grandma, my, that's my great, great grandmother. So for five generations, we, we have been born on like goddess rivers associated with the name Mary. And there's just this like deep coding of this, like, I don't know, help me out here. I'm like, lost an idea nebulous like i can't get words well the the idea of named places having a deep significance is called mystical toponymy right and so if you take that one step further but your personal story is mm -hmm. then woven into the mystical toponymy of the landscape mm -hmm. and so you're recognizing this cont continuity mm -hmm. of and I would say what you're saying is even deeper than mystical toponymy. Um, the Mary, like Mountain Mary, Mary Magdalene, Marysville, and now Virgin Mary, Virginia, right. Maryland. So, so if my father had not been in the military, in, if he would not have been a Marine mm -hmm. and stationed where they were stationed when I was born, I would not have been born on the Occoquan River overlooking the bay where the border of Virginia and Maryland meet. And so when I saw that picture, maybe I'll make that the picture, the tile for this podcast. I was like, Virginia, Maryland. Oh my God, Virgin Mary. There it is again. Mm -hmm. And then Marysville. And then I was born on this river down here. I wouldn't have been born on a river. My dad probably would have just lived where he grew up, which is not by a river. But it is where Mountain Mary held court mm -hmm. in the late 17, early 1800s. In Bechtelsville. In Bechtelsville. 
So, but I think that like there needed to be this, I don't identify with, although it's tied in, I don't identify with being, having been a project child. You're shaking your head at me. Of course you don't. Well, I, I see how it's tied in somehow. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be more of this, like, um, well, right, because this is more my angle of things. There mm-hmm. seems to be more of this, like, you know, like, protect the Rose line, mm-hmm. kind of. Like, if the government and Rosicrucians are, like, on the on the same team mm-hmm. and they're like working together on different projects of theirs mm-hmm. like the rose line mary like you know like mary just keeps showing up so mystically mm-hmm. in 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 the like geomancy of my life story um and so here we are now in centerville virginia about to go visit for the first time in my life the the river I was born on, mm-hmm. um, and so I guess grounding this all in activation, okay, code code like using code words to activate something, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Is it the military? Is it the government? Am I a project child? I still don't know, but I do see the mystical, spiritual, like. Rose Cross, Mary line of whatever's guiding this is I see that mm-hmm. um, and how it relates to you and me. I mean, it's it's interesting because people on our telegram group through Susquehanna Alchemy have often referred to like have pointed out the fact that I am Christiana which is just like the feminine version of Christ, mm-hmm. Christian, Anna, Christiana. And, you know, like linking you with the Archangel Michael, but also linking you with the Christ. Um, you know, just people have, not many people, but a few people have messaged us and, and said, like, do you see the funny links between um, Jesus and Mary or or like, these like Christian archetypes. Um, so maybe everyone's in on it. Maybe it's like the media, religion, government, the medical industry, where <laughs> the Potomac hospital where I was born, um, they're all in on it. What for? So, <laughs> so where I think a lot of this season one and two has been in your wheelhouse, yeah, the inner world, the inner landscape. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, places which I'm also familiar with, but it's definitely not my, like, bread and butter, Mm -hmm. I would say. So now you're in my bread and butter. (laughs) Uh, And what you're suggesting, like, what you're pointing out, like, twofold. There are three points I want to make right now. So, one, like, a very, very, very fair question, Mm -hmm. or at least attitude, is, like, it's not as simple as black and white. Right. Government equals bad, Rosicrucian equals good, or vice versa. Like no. there is yeah. a there is, if you're really, really, really paying attention, there is some level of organization behind the scenes. Complex with, yet simple. Complex yet simple, which is running whatever this is, whatever this mystery of being alive tied to a body with ground beneath our feet and 
sky above our head. Like there are people who are orchestrating it. And we, we look at them in terms of like government or like large multinational corporations <laughs> or media. So there's that. Two, like the coronavirus, like how that unfolded, demonstrated with with undeniable proof that all of these organizations work in right. in tandem because they no one in that organization, whether that be big media, whether that be big science, big government, big um, whatever, everyone was on the exact same page as it related to it. So we know that they work in in cohoots. Um, and so those are really fair questions. And I don't think, and we experientially are at least within it. And it is not helpful to be paranoid, to be fearful or sure. what have you, because yeah. I don't necessarily think it is, is that is bad like that or scary like that. I think it's more simplexity to it. Simple complexity, complexity which is a co which is a corporation you worked for in your twenties, which exactly <laughs> while using the words. And then the last thing I want to point out. Mm -hmm. is as it relates to the movie which we watched last night. We talked a little bit about over the past year about watching. I brought yeah. up the concept of the movie. I haven't seen it for about six years. And I was surprised to hear your interest throughout the year saying, yes, I'd like to watch that with you. I'd like to watch that with you. Part of me didn't want to watch it with you. Um, mostly because like there's parts of it which I knew would not fit your it's so violent. Yes, the violence <laughs> and the loudness. Uh, but why I wanted to watch it yesterday was my idea to watch it yesterday. It was because well, where we're at. Well, it's where we're at. But I guess now what I'm going to say is is probably hindsight. The night before, I had a very very unusual dream, like more or less like Sasquatch appeared in my dream. Where I described it like mm -hmm. like Sasquatch. Um, Can I say a little bit about that? The dream? Okay. So I, I haven't shared this with you yet because you, you mentioned how I participated in the dream because you, you were calling out in a strained way like I have never heard before. As I was asleep, my as physical body asleep, was yeah, asleep. Right. As you were having this dream, I you know put my hand on you and it didn't stop. And I got up and... I said your name and it didn't stop and I had to like I had to like come over with my full body and kind of like um like hold you and like like touch a lot and say your name to 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 calm the calling out mm -hmm. the strained calling out it sounded like um paralysis like sleep, sleep paralysis. paralysis yeah and and that to when when you were saying like oh well you know that made you part of the dream, um, it made me think about how how dream world can interact with this world um, via via that kind of scenario where that dream was so powerful that it drew me into its plot whatever mm -hmm. it drew me in right in this realm right and then i was like wow if that's how sleep dream world works mm -hmm. how does this walking dream world work you know how we always talk about bleed through mm -hmm. so i i get conceptually bleed through which is kind of what we're talking about right now with the, the american ultra film and the sasquatch which we're going to go back to um 
but I never had such a clear example of how the bleed through works and how your Sasquatch dream bled through and brought me into it from this realm to sleep realm mm -hmm. and how it, how it linked, like it linked the two worlds, which are usually separated and only experienced via sleep or some type of like medicinal herb. Um, and just, okay. So like, I was like, okay, if that's what that looks like and that's possible and I just experienced it, it makes the dream walking world or the dream, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Dream walking mm -hmm. kind of bleed through. It just makes it more crisp and um, knowable, understandable, tangible. Like as a model? As a model, sure. Right. right. Like. So I would even say like that's what that, those organizations were talking about, like behind the scenes, like mm -hmm. they're somehow bleeding through. Like yeah. these are some of the ideas which, which at least I like to be open to and play with. I certainly The bridge don't. has presented it. There's so. a bridge, yes. The bridge is now very real. So, so let's. So the Sasquatch dream. So I had a dream and I don't want to get too much into the dream because that seems less important to the right. point I'm trying to make, but it was a very vivid dream. I'd been talking about, I haven't remembered my dreams for like two weeks now. And I specifically said, I want to go to bed and have a significant dream and recall it. And I had a dream. And it was which, very deep world, Jungian. Like yes. you woke up and you're like, I just had a Jungian dream. Right, right. Not all dreams are the same. Like right. there are different types of dreams and it was symbolically rich. And I was describing this character in the dream, which was really, really significant. And I was calling out to that character in the dream. The Sasquatch character? Which you heard me calling out in like waking Sleep body paralysis. as just like these like strange groans. Yeah, yeah. So I began describing the character. I was like, they're kind of ape-like, but they were cartoon. And then like through the talking of it, I was like, I'm describing Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. Regard whether it's Sasquatch or not, I don't know. But what I do know, and the point I'm trying to make is in the movie American Ultra, the character Mike was a cartoonist and he had a cartoon strip about this ape called Apollo Ape, which was the character from my dream. <laughs> and he only had developments with Apollo the ape in his when he got high and was in his high like dream right world. when he was in that imagine like that other sort of realm yeah so like that happened like that literally happened like that's no like interpretation right. like i described it and it wasn't like it happened two weeks ago it, it happened, happened the, the night. night before so then the other thing which is interesting was we talked about this in our car ride um oh my gosh on the way here from the car ride like we i dreamt about it two nights ago we drove the in night the river after house, on the in Susquehanna. the river house we drove then down to Centerville and I'm, I'm describing it and I'm talking to you. I'm like, you know, you're the grounded one, or at least at times you're the grounded one of the two of us. And I'm describing like, That's you know, like, like, <laughs> like the, like my openness to interpretation. Like I'm not committing. I'm saying I'm not committing to this being real or this being false. I'm just, I don't know. And I'm describing it. And you stopped and you said to me like kind of firmly, yeah. Very much like a handler. That's what I'm thinking as you said this. But you <laughs> said, goodness. you are real, Michael. This is real. This <laughs> oh, is really happening. And you said that. And I'm thinking as you're saying it, because I didn't feel I didn't feel like I was in a like a, a internal position of being concerned of like 
the reality, because I, I have these types of questions a lot, mm -hmm. but you were saying it very strongly. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this is exactly what I hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make was that exact dialogue was used in the movie last mm -hmm. night where she said, you are real. This is real. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, you know, that bleed through of whatever it is that we saw we last night. We literally had the American Ultra movie happen before we saw the movie, before I saw the movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could say it was in your consciousness and you transmitted it to me somehow, but I've never seen any parts of the movie. Right. Like, and I don't remember the, like everything about it. It was, um, so everything about the experience was, was fascinating. Uh, we're coming back in Centerville, like literally Centerville, for anyone who knows their CIA history, mm -hmm. is like this area is known as the farm. The farm is their off-campus sort of like training center. You don't know exactly where it is, but it's talked about in this general area. And it's not like just one campus. It's probably all around. Somehow we've been given this house, like this house sitting thing is so strange. We're in a house. <laughs> it is filled with like death iconography. Mm -hmm. Death wish, death wish coffee, skeletons all, all around, swords. Like there's all of this like bleed through, but it's fun. Yeah, the owners have an appreciation for dark. There's a, the, you know, if they are owners. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right, like this is the sort of like, this is, I would say, one of the, the, the most strange like experiences like we're playing literally connect four and i can't beat michael up and connect and it's four. on and absolutely like it's a a human side like a, a, uh what do you call the it? scale of it is 10 times the size of the desktop like you walk around it it's on the floor but there's something which is happening here which is very very tangible it doesn't seem weird there's nothing bizarre about this i don't feel like we're on acid or mushrooms <laughs> but like i'm looking at the physical material events of where and what is happening as we're recording this and it's certainly one level one magnitude of weirdness greater than before definitely so so this is a 45 minute tie up and tie in from what we'll call quote season one slash two uh, of us exploring exploring life through astrology tantra inner world management um our relationship and this is kind of like we're like leveling leveling up leveling two three like going up the yeah. numbers sure yeah um adding adding like Maybe instead of season one, two, and three, these are levels. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going into level three. Activating level three. Activating level three. Code. Code name. What is the code? Code name, Logan Circus. Logan Circus. That's the dog that we're, that, that we're watching right now. <laughs> and Circus is the life we're living. Yes. Well. Under the big tent. And actually, it's so funny. I don't know if that's the moon or the sun, but there's a picture right above your head. Moon. Done. okay so and the moon is setting on the water that's going to be the picture for this for this tile okay um so we're adding another layer of this nebulous show i would say like we talk when we talk about 
being loved by the water, when we talk about the water, when we talk about love and our exchange of energy in our relationship as a model for people to learn and grow from, or just try on a different way of thinking and sounding frequency, um, we often talk in terms of Tantra and astrology. Um, and I guess now we're adding a layer and element of geomancy. What was the toponymy? Mystical toponymy. Mystical, topo mystical toponymy and synchromystic kind of like storytelling. Mm -hmm. But storytelling, I would say, kind of answer. I'm still, the, the question is still on the table. Like, what forces brought us together? Because I'm not like the Kristen actress in the movie where she had a full awareness of her decision to go from handler to girlfriend because she really fell in love. Like I don't have, obviously, I don't have that. That memory has not been restored to me. Mm -hmm. ATM. Did you look, did you look, did you, do you think that you look like the, the ultimate handler of the program? Lassiter? Yeah. The, the, the agent? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. 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 All right, so, go on. So, well, since, you, since you've asked me that, are you two steps ahead? Certainly, I would say we might be handling each other. Because you can't beat me in Connect Four. I can't beat you at Connect Four. And you're like 20 years my senior. Uh-huh. Um, but we have this dynamic in our relationship yeah. of like parenting each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so handling each other back and forth mm -hmm. um, and giving each other like activation words that sets off whatever like inspiration that, mm -hmm. that moves us in a direction. So anyways, let me come back to storytelling, like geomantic, synchromistic, mystical toponymy, story finding, really not yeah. telling, but we're finding, we're discovering right. the story. and, and It's using take, synchromistic philosophy or perspective mm -hmm. as a compass to understand experiential reality. Right. And taking people along with us on this journey. Right. So for whatever reason, it's just a direction. And we don't, I, I would say we haven't quite defined the mission, right? Like there isn't a mission, like we're going on this direction to find the gold. It's just, we're going on this journey together. And we don't really know what's at the end. There's just lots of questions. Mm, and true. I don't yes. think the goal is to find an answer. Like I almost think like the goal is the mission. And the mission is as simple as just like literally the arrow circulation. And right. like, like, yes. oh, oh. like doing the things that we need to do. And that's what our focus is. Like me and you as yes. individuals and yes. talking about it along the way. And then what is the byproduct of us doing what our mission is? Like that's out of our control. Exactly. And so like if Surrender. we're focused on the byproduct, well, then we're missing the point. Our focus is arrow circulation. To stay immersed. To stay immersed. So what you just said is totally an activation code, code for me because we had previously talked about, all right, so the last element that we we're adding to our next quote season of this journey uh, you know, adding on to Tantra, astrology, then adding on geomancy, mystical toponymy, synchromistic story finding is this, this arrow circulation, this cyclical versus what would be a straight line? Linear. Linear. Thank you. So 
living our lives intentionally with the ancient cyclical rhythms that predate time. Mm -hmm. So you and I have recently dove into getting really committed to and framing out what a daily life ritual looks like to be attuning and aligning daily with the cycle of the moon. Mm -hmm. Because that is a very clear cyclical going in a circle, coming back around, coming back around, like right every moon mm -hmm. brings you back. So it's not like the moon is not as much like what you were just saying, like there's a goal, there's a mission, there's a line. We'll start at point A and go to point B and be finished. The nature of the moon is like we're going to go to A and then B and then C and then D, and then come back to D and go to E, F, but then come back to F and right. Mm -hmm. It's just this constant circle. Um, and what you and I have independently discovered is that there is a magic in sinking our life force energy with these rhythms that predate time as we know it. And for us, I'm going to speak for us and you can adapt this. Because of the type of work or ideology that we manage our interior with, Tantra, astrology, esoteric arts, geomancy, mystical, all of these things. Um, I think the balance of that, like the anchor and the grounding of that has got to be a force that's as equally like out there and powerful and dark, underground, like underworldly. And I think what you and I have found both independently is that the moon is the embodiment the embodied balance of all that we follow as a model for our interior world what is going to anchor that outside of us because we live in total surrender mostly and so what's the balance between surrender and anchor is this making sense what's the balance between surrender free fall mm -hmm. right Fall, like fall in love with life completely. And mm -hmm. then the second verse of that song I'm referencing is um, what is the place that calls you home? The anchor. The anchor. Okay. Home, home base, nomadic. Right. Right? Like you and I play with these right. tantric right. energies right. in our life. Like, yeah, we need to have a home base we want to anchor, but also we've got to like, we want to be nomads and we have to get out there and circulate the arrows of, of the the the, the broadest community that we mm -hmm. are engaged with. Um, so this is the ultimate tie-in between seasons for us of Loved by the Water is that we, you and I, have, have independently discovered and come back with our research and like our projects that we're working on. And you're like, whoa, like that's a lot like what I'm doing. And I'm like, whoa, what you're doing. And like we kind of, have been feeding off of each other with this whole like moon, like moon anchoring, mm -hmm. moon consciousness. And like my thing involved bracelets mm -hmm. and embodiment and integration um, 
and you then were like, oh, I need like a, I need a tool or an object that I can sync my daily consciousness with and re-member my energy to what's going on with the moon. Do you want to say anything about that? No, keep going. Okay. And so you were, you know, you, I think you were going to do necklaces, but then for your birthday, I got you these really simple bracelets because I'm two steps ahead. <laughs> and I was like, here, just try these. And you really liked them. And so we started incorporating bracelets and jewelry and journaling with the starboard ceremony that we do on the turn of every moon. So we already were in this life path of, of astrology and the planets being an anchor for us. But now we've like doubled down on what it means to have the moon be our like anchoring in, in our interior as we dive into these realms that can be really dark and really like, you know, part of American Ultra was like, they're like, we had to stop because our program was driving you insane. You were driving other people insane. Like the stuff that you and I work with can be really ungrounding and cause a lot of sanity slash insanity paradox. Um, but, and I don't think we struggle with that. There's, there's, right? I don't know. Maybe that's another episode. Um, but it's 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 like that and and it's helpful to have like this external guiding force that you can always come back to and go even deeper in the madness because you have an anchor that i mean the moon is trust in the rosicrucian prayer um anyways we've got to wrap up we have 2 minutes but that's that's where we're going with season 2 is Season three. Season two slash three. The next season of Loved by the Water is going deeper into the 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 synchro mysticism along with what it's like and how we are embodying and integrating the moon as our anchor. The moon being the ruler of the waters. And we're going deeper into the darker waters. And dark doesn't mean bad. It just means scary. Dark doesn't even have to mean scary. What's the point of having darkness if you can't <laughs> scare someone? I'm just kidding. So I'm going to give it to you to wrap up. We've got one minute. we got one minute. So we have, we've leveled up. We've taken a turn. Whatever analogy you, you want to use, uh, the episodes coming forward, forward from this point on are going to become much more simplex, complex and simple than what we've seen before. Right. Moon-centric, ruler of the water, and... Dream-synchromistic. Yeah. Ooh, dream world, moon world, anchor. Uh, astral travel. Astral travel. Something. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you being on this journey with us. And uh, we invite you to listen backwards and listen forwards as things become moon 
lit mystical. Bye.